Hey everybody, Chris Avery with you on a new episode of Chargers Weekly. We're on location this week from the 2019 Pro Bowl in Orlando and the Reese's Senior Bowl in Mobile, Alabama. Coming up, Eric Galco of Optimum Scouting will share some names to know before this weekend's Senior Bowl. We'll also hear from NFL Network's Brian Baldinger, who recently watched film with Pro Bowl running back Melvin Gordon. But first, the voice of Monday Night Football, Joe Tessitore. All right, my first guest on Chargers Weekly, Joe Tessitore, ESPN. And Joe, we didn't get to see you guys no. on Monday Night Football. I'm hoping that changes in 2019. So are we. In fact, <laughs> I just got out of a uh, scheduling strategy meeting that very much we would hope for that to be the case, and we are hopeful that that will undoubtedly be the case. And there's obviously some attractive games out there. What did you think of the Chargers season? This is, this is a team that... We were just talking about New England and, and the loss, and it shouldn't cloud what was a, no. a great year, but that was the first losing flight of the year. They were 9-0 getting on a plane, exactly. heading into New England, but it was a heck of a year, second year for Coach Lynn. Uh, I was one of the few, when you look at that ESPN master grid, who had the Chargers as my Super Bowl pick. So uh, I was watching the season very closely. There we go. I loved, I loved the roster that was put together. Uh, I picked them, I think, in late July when everybody was going into training camp, and then obviously there were a few critical injuries, but the fact that they still fought through those injuries, performed the way they did, I thought Phillip obviously had a magnificent year. I thought that they showed the depth of the team, um, and I just loved everything about them. I thought they were coached extremely well. I thought they had a real fight to them. Obviously, you had an emerging, blossoming superstar defensive rookie, uh, you had depth at running back. That, Who, as we tape this, Joe, is like right there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Everybody is. That's the problem with staying at the, at the Pro Bowl uh, credentialed hotel is that every conversation you have, you're 10 feet away from somebody you're most likely talking about. <laughs> exactly. Um, and I, I love the season they had. I thought they were a championship caliber team. I think, obviously, uh, the road games, the travel schedule, and what was asked of them in that second week of the playoffs is a lot to ask. Um, going up against... You could start to make the strong argument what may be the best sports dynasty that modern American sports will ever know and has ever known. Yeah, no doubt. And, you know, it starts with the leader, Coach Anthony Lynn. And I know your partner, Jason Witten, Coach Lynn was on that staff when Jason was there. Just your thoughts on what he was able to do. His first year, you go 9-7, and you barely miss the playoffs. You take a big leap. They're they're building a culture in Los Angeles, Joe. And Coach Lynn is a guy that these guys, they'll run through a wall for. Yeah, there's no doubt. I had a visit with him yesterday. I saw him again this morning. Um, I actually think he may be the most grossly underrated coach in the entire league. Mm. I think if it was another coach of another team in a certain market. Obviously, what's going on in L.A. right now with those two teams and the success they're having, there's a lot to discuss. Absolutely. Uh, But being a native New Yorker, (laughs) I know that if that was Big Blue and that's what the coach was doing in his first couple years, I know exactly the way he would be thought of league-wise. So I think he's a phenomenal coach. I think the the next few years are going to be continued ascent. Um, obviously, with a with a division rival, that's that's going to create some incredible matchups and competition. So, um, I think he's got him where you want him, and you're sitting on the guy who, in t- if I'm buying a stock price in the coaching ranks, that's the stock I'm buying. There you go. Yeah. And then the quarterback, Philip awesome. Rivers, just awesome. You know, we, we talk about is this the best year he's ever had? You know, 15 years in the league, ones. and he's had a lot yeah. of good ones. This may have been the most complete year that he's had, Joe. 
Yeah, I think there's an argument to be made for that. Um, and he's one of those guys, it's funny, Will Kane and I were just talking about this last week on his show. Um, he's one of those guys that because of the generation of quarterbacks he happened to be born into, um, you, you sit back and you got to really pull back and take a closer examination as to his greatness. Yeah. Um, I think he's a Hall of Fame quarterback. Uh, I think he happens to be playing in an era where there are a lot of Hall of Fame quarterbacks, including a guy that at this point you start to put in the conversation in the annals of sports history with Michael Jordan and Muhammad Ali because the conversation greatest quarterback of all time to me is now over. Yeah. Nine Super Bowls ends it. Yeah. Um, no matter what you think of his physical skills or I like this guy's arm better or this guy better in this aspect, it's over. And Phillip is, is right there among the greats. You look at any generation, he just happens to be playing in what I think we're going to re reflect on 10 years from now, 20 years from now, is the greatest quarterback era we've ever seen. Yeah, It, it really is. If you, when you're spanning Brady and Manning um, all the way through Rodgers and now what we have with these this younger crop, it's the greatest generation of quarterbacks you'll ever see. That's the thing, Joe. You know, We're talking about a, uh, a Rivers versus Brady matchup. I mean, come on. What are we talking about? It, it, we're we got, talking we, great we got all luck. Time. We got Mahomes. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, like, it's just like this merging of oh. young talent and this Hall of Fame talent that's still here. I mean, we're talking about Drew Brees. We could have had a, a Philip Rivers, Drew Brees Super Rogers, Bowl conceivably, Brady, you know? Philip Rivers. Like, where do you stop? Yeah. And when you're talking about Tier 2 being Ben Roethlisberger, like, look yeah, at Ben Roethlisberger's stats. He's got two he's, rings. He's got rings, plus he's got the yards. Plus Eli's still the in the mix with two he's, rings. Look, he's got, look, he's got all the yards, all the Philip Rivers. I mean, it, it's this is this is what the 1970s was for heavyweight boxing. Yeah. You know, with Ali and Foreman and Frazier and, you know, the list goes on and on. Um, it's insane when we look back at this generation, what we'll be saying from, you know, the late 90s through now. And, and the fact that some of these careers are lasting that long. Yeah. You know, Philip's career, a decade and a half you know, into you know, what are we doing here? It's it's unbelievable, and I think this year probably more. You know, you go back to maybe '06 with LT and some of the receivers, Gates in his prime. Right. But this year, I mean, we're seeing a lot of guys that are here, right? And, mm -hmm. and Keenan Allen and Melvin Gordon, oh, who's just phenomenal, phenomenal. Yeah, Keenan and, is just unbelievable. So the the progression of Melvin Gordon, you know, he yeah, he got I, I into covered this him in league. college, obviously, you know. Yeah, you I covered him so in college. college games he didn't and, catch the ball a lot in yeah. college, and he has made a concerted effort to. I mean, we don't really talk about carries anymore with Mel. We talk about touches. You know, he, right. he has been fantastic out of the backfield. Just his progression from what he was at Wisconsin to what he is now has been phenomenal. Yeah, and really, what I would tell you about Melvin is the kind of running back you need to win right now in the league. It's, it's what no you doubt. have to have. It's, He's a three-down back. Yeah, it's what offenses demand. Um, you know, I, I think he's a perfect fit for what the Chargers want to do. Um, and I think, you know, I just start looking at them. And, you know, Philip, even here in what you could say is the autumn of his career still playing at this level, all the pieces are there. I mean, all the pieces are there right now. You you go into the offseason feeling so bullish and, and feeling so confident and – as long as, as you found out this summer, as long as everybody stays healthy, and obviously you got a guy who can be an all-pro tight end coming back to full health. That's the thing, um, too. Yeah. It's, the offense isn't going away. The offense is not going away. The defense, too, Joe. I, I want to talk about the defense really quickly yeah. because there's a guy that should be here. He isn't because he was hurt. That's Joey Bosa. Yeah, of course. You know, you got yeah. the, probably the best duo of pass rushers in this league. I mean, yep, you can make absolutely. the argument for, for Chubb and no, Miller, of course. Ingram but, and Bosa. Are, but yeah. when you get Ingram and Bosa yeah. coupled with the rookie, what do you think of Derwin? And the, well, I covered the, him in college yeah. a lot, too. Yeah. I think he's, so a, you knew. He's, a, yeah, he's a freak of an athlete. 
um, the measurables, the ability, um, the, the ability to cover space, but yet, yet still be a physical presence. Um, as much as we just had the conversation of being a three down back and what the league demands now, probably there's no position in the league that has changed more than that position. Yeah. If you can have the rangy yet physical freak that can play in the middle of the field, walk into the box, support the run, but still match up with anybody in coverage, whether it's a big body tight end, which in this day and age, these tight ends you're facing are so athletic oh, and yeah. fluid. You see, we got the Kittle, oh. see Kittle oh, walking around Kittle here. Run? You see the strides that guy takes downfield? He had an yard touchdown against the Chargers Exactly, this year. how much yardage he gobbles up mm. um, and, and how fluid he is with that big body. Heck, I, I stand next to, in the booth every week, a guy that, that I look next to. I'm like, who, how did a safety ever match up with this monster? <laughs> exactly. Like, what, <laughs> what is that? Well, that same guy in this day and age is now a little lighter, a little more downfield, a little more receivers, but is still six foot five, six foot six. And Derwin's ability to play that guy, match up with a receiver, and still support the run, and be a force behind the line of scrimmage if he chooses to be, um, and be capable in the open field, you got to find that guy. Yeah. Now, they don't grow on trees. They don't. You got to spend first round picks for them. That's why I'm sure you were surprised. You got to acquire that guy. At 17 overall, he That's was still sitting there, right? It's a steal because. He's he's athletically and physically top five talent. There are a few guys that you could, you know, you're always going to get an edge rusher, a Bradley Chubb type, um, who is just that level of physical freak and talent. But you know, Derwin is that. Yeah, positionless guy. And I think yeah, that's that, that's really it. I think that's what it is guy. now. You don't have to come off the field. No, you, and you shouldn't come off the field. Yeah. I don't care if we're in goal line or I don't care if we're in you know uh, uh, obvious passing down. He's not coming off the field, and no matter what the situation is, he's still your best defensive player when he's on the field. Finally, Joe, you didn't get to call a Chargers game this year, but this is probably the next best thing, right? We got the entire Chargers coaching staff yeah, here. Yeah, it's pretty cool, yeah. We, we got six <laughs> players. Just in general, just being around NFL greatness all week, what, what does it mean to you guys? You know, it's funny because I, I got up early this morning and worked out, and you're sitting there in the hotel gym, and, you know, you sort of get into your zone when you're working out, and then... You look to your left, and there's Eric Weddle, and you look over here, and there's an all-pro defensive end, and you look over here, is Jason Garrett. And so it's motivating when you're sitting there in the gym a little bit, you know, just for your, you know, your lazy man, 47-year-old yeah. workout, and you got all pro. The miles per hour in the treadmill, maybe up yeah. a little bit, right? Yeah. And so, you know, it's it's a lot of fun. It's great. It's great socializing. We've all been through, you know. The NFL, as you know, you live it every day, is a kill-or-be-killed league. It's it is hyper-competition, whether you're an executive, a GM, a team president, a head coach, an assistant coach, a player, or or one of the you know one of the four network primetime crews. Yep. It is highly competitive. The scrutiny is unbelievable. The pressure, the spotlight that's on all of us, no matter what you do in this league. No doubt. The national relevance and how everything resonates and the level of awareness and hyper-attentiveness by everybody in our country over the most scrutinized and most identifiable entity in all of American entertainment. When you live with that pressure all season long, right through the playoffs, it's nice to have a week where you can hang out in a hotel bar, a lobby, breakfast, have a coffee, where it's only all of us who have all lived it 
and we can all smile and breathe and chill and relax <laughs> yes. and hit each other on the back and be like, nice season, good to see you, it was great. Hey, that was great. You know, that was great in week four, had that awesome meeting with you, had a good broadcast, loved what you did on the field, hope you feel good about it. And and um, so it's it's a nice week to be at the Pro Bowl. It's necessary. It's almost like a, a retreat for all of us who are, you know, just getting all these NFL toxins out of our... We all needed yeah. it for a couple of days. <laughs> Joe, gracious with your time, man. Oh, I have you. a sneaky suspicion we're going to be seeing you in 2019 yeah, on a no Monday doubt. night. There's no doubt. And we'll I look forward, I look forward to, to it. Yeah, it'll be fun. Awesome. Thanks, all Joe. All right. Be well. At the team hotel of the NFC and the AFC with Brian Baldinger, Baldy, this is a, a heck of a week because it's an opportunity for you, I imagine, to talk to the best in the league. Yeah, well, we're, we're, we have a, sh- a show. We're in our second year called Film Sessions where we sit with a lot of these players and coaches in these film rooms and we kind of learn the position. So yesterday we spent a lot of time with Melvin Gordon, had about an hour with Melvin. He was awesome. Just but talk- that was an education, huh? It was. I mean, because we, we've had film sessions. Now, we never had a running back before. It's our first back. So just, you know, he runs behind the eye with Derek Watt and shotgun with Phillip, and he's such a valuable receiver of the back. Just all these different elements. Like, you know, he said he used to work out with the wide receivers at Wisconsin all the time. They just never threw him the ball. They had all these plays, and they never threw him the ball. So nobody knew he could catch the ball like he does. They didn't have to, right? They didn't have to. I mean, they were just a power run team, and that's how he won the Big Ten and all that stuff. So we learned a lot about with him. We're going to sit down with Melvin Ingram. Uh, later today and you know he's just one of the most versatile players in the league I remember talking to uh, Gus Bradley about him and you know he's been a Mike linebacker on goal line situations and he'd never seen that before you know a starting defensive end outside linebacker playing the Mike linebacker but he's so good at it so you know we're gonna spend some time with him and and so we've had a great Jamal Adams yesterday and Taylor Lewan with a bunch of guys we're sitting down with over the next uh, couple days here and then at the Super Bowl as well. That's awesome. So, listen, if, if you listen to this podcast, there's a high probability that you know all about the Baldy breakdowns. And, Baldy, let's just talk about the Chargers, 30,000-foot view. They had a heck of a year, 13-5 and five when you factor in the two playoff games. Uh, just your overall thoughts on how this team performed, especially on the road, man. Well, I mean, they went on the road late in the season to Pittsburgh, to Kansas City, to Baltimore, and they won. I mean, it used to be they traveled east and it was an automatic loss, you know. So, I mean, that always shows you a sign of a veteran team, a mature team, you know, a team that's pretty focused, well-coached. So, I mean, those were some huge wins down the stretch. And then, you know, the thing, you know, that they hadn't been able to do for a long time under a lot of different coaches was get off to a good start. Yep. And they got off to a good start this year, you know. And so, uh, Phillip just has that fountain of youth. Um, you know, they've gotten – they had a – you know, obviously Derwin James was just an elite draft pick and came in right away and made an impact. First team all pro. First team all pro you know, as a rookie. And really, in talking to a lot of guys, not just about Derwin, but Jamal Adams, some of these young players, like it's almost like it's positionless football. You can line up almost anywhere. You can put him at outside linebacker, at safety, in the slot. He can cover elite players. I mean, there's just so many different things you can do with these type of players. And you got to, they're hybrids in a lot of different ways, and it's really up to, I think, creative defensive minds on how best to use them. When you saw seven DBs get trotted out there for the Ravens game, that, that second go-around against the Baltimore Ravens in the playoffs, what was your reaction? Well, I, first of all, I thought it was ingenious by Gus. Now, I don't know Jeff Tavis Brown was hurt. He had injuries, so maybe that was part of it. I don't know all the genesis. But, I, you know, seven teams had had a crack at Lamar Jackson in that running game. Seven different coordinators, and there was a lot of good ones. Greg Williams, nobody could crack it. 
Yeah. You know, and so to see them go with speed and then let the defensive line just penetrate and, and create chaos and let the speed of those defensive backs, Adrian Phillips, the whole group, Jaleel, go after um, Jamal Lamar and, and uh, Gus Edwards and the guys. It was, it was, I mean, they were the first team to be able to crack the code. They were. And you look at the, the five losses, three of them they avenged. We, we talk about the, the Broncos yeah. and the Chiefs, Chiefs and, yeah. and obviously Ravens. The, the Ravens. The Brady machine, though, you know, what are your thoughts on just this Super Bowl matchup that we have with the New England Patriots? and? and well, you're going to give the Patriots two weeks to get ready, you know, just like they had two weeks to get ready for you. And, you know, they created, um, you know, they did a lot of things. I mean, you know, they, they got physical with your wide receivers and, you know, they didn't let the backs come out clean. And, you know, I mean, they just did a lot of things. And, you know, they, they messed with the protections and Philip obviously was getting frustrated at times. Uh, they had a, th- a lot of throwaways. So you can just see, you know, this Rams offense that's been one of the best offenses in football the last two years. Are they going to get those deep speedo routes down the field the way they love to get them against this defense? Uh, you know, they, they completely took Tyreek Hill out of the game last week and uh, eliminated him. Um, you know, so they had a plan. So they're going to have a plan for the Rams. Yeah. I was joking with Mike Pouncey yesterday. say, hey, at this time next year, we want to see you in Florida but in a Super Bowl in Miami, a little bit south, what do you think the Chargers need to do? I, I think they're set up. When you talk about the job that Tom Telesco and his group have done with just identifying guys in the late rounds, we talk about Austin Eckler, undrafted, mm-hmm. uh, Desmond King, mm-hmm. all pro. Mm-hmm. You know, They've done a heck of a job at identifying guys that, that are going to be able to help this team for a long time. What do you think they need to do, Baldy, to take it to the, that next level, get to the bowl next year? I mean, look, uh, Damian Square came in. He's a good player. We don't know what Corey's going to be like at this point. I mean, I think they just got to get bigger up front defensively. And this is the draft to do it, right? It's a good draft to do it. I mean, it's a strength of this whole draft. And I haven't begun to really break it down, but everything I'm hearing right now, guys down to getting ready for the senior bowl and everything, I mean, it's, it's going to be loaded with defensive linemen. And really, I just think you can never go wrong by loading up in the trenches. Um, you know, Philip is going to come back, and obviously, you know, he had a great year. But I, if you can get better up front on the offensive line, you get better. Yeah. If you can get better up front on the defensive line, you get better. We know what Joey and Melvin and Derwin and those guys can do right now. Uh, if you can find an elite corner, you know, you, you can't get enough of those guys. So, I mean, I think the receiving core is, is loaded. Hunter Henry comes back. The backs are good. So I, I just think you can just load up in the trenches, and if you can get an elite Defensive back, you know, that can really lock up on the outside. You could probably go there. Last thing I want to ask you about is Anthony Lynn and just the job that he's done over the last two years. He's got this unique coaching tree, Baldy, with, you know, he learned from Parcells. Mm-hmm. Bill Walsh identified him as a coach early. Mike Shanahan gave him his first job. Um, but he's his own guy, too. Mm-hmm. There's, there's this authenticity and this leadership quality to, to Coach Lynn that you can't you can't really quantify. I mean, these guys will run through a wall for this guy. Well, it's clear. I mean, I think when he stands up in front of the room, he's got everybody's attention. I don't think anybody's testing him. Like, you know, can he handle I mean, I just think there's a respect factor. Um, you know, I was talking to Melvin Gordon about him because he's the only running backs coach, running back, that is elevated to this, you know, to this position right now. And it was really, you know, he got the interim job and that kind of put him on the map and you know, and I just think there's a toughness about them. Uh, they're going to stay with the run. Um, 
there's going to be a foundation to what they want to do. And I think you got to have leadership qualities. And I think he does it in his own way. I don't think he has to raise his voice a whole bunch, you know, to get guys' attention. I just think he knows how to treat men like professionals that they are, but at the same time be demanding. Yeah. I remember talking to you like the second day of training camp. Yeah. You came out. You were kind enough to chat with us for a minute. How quickly does this go by for you, man? We were already at the Pro Bowl and now Super Bowl just that was away. You know, it's funny, Chris. I, that was my first training camp this year. So I was out there at the NFL Network getting ready for inside training camp. So I had a day and I went down there, which was, I think, the second day. So it was my first camp. I mean, I mean, we're in late July, and here we are in late January. So six months, you know, lickety split. It's gone, and here we are. It's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. Hey, I always appreciate talking to you. You're Thanks. always gracious with your time. You do awesome work. The Baldy Breakdowns are my favorite, and uh, hopefully we have a good weekend here in Orlando, man. Yep. Appreciate it, man. Thanks. Yep. All right, coming to you from Lad People's Stadium, Senior Bowl Week, here with Eric Galco, president of Optimum Scouting. You see him on the stadium. We did this last year, I think exactly a year to the day. Right. And uh, you broke it down for me, brother. How you doing? I'm doing well, man. I'm doing well. It's it's a little bit chilly here in Mobile, but overall, not as cold it's, as last year, right? I know. I'm a wuss, though. Yeah, I'm a wuss, so I'm always cold. We at, just at came from games. we just came from New England. Yeah. And it was like six degrees for the divisional. <laughs> you know, so this is like I, I should be wearing shorts and, yeah. and flip flops here. But listen, dude, this always starts with the quarterbacks. Right. It, it was probably a little. A little bit more star-studded last year with with Baker and Josh Allen, but right. I think you start with what Daniel Jones and Drew Locke are the headliners here. Yeah, I think they're the two best, and I think I, I think Andrew or Drew Locke has a chance to really I think be a solidified first-round pick this week. I think he, he shows on film, and he almost declared a year ago talking to teams based off our evaluations. He's probably a day two pick safely last year. I think he's got all the arm talent in the world, and when he's at his best and comfortable, especially in the red zone, he's got such command of his velocity. I think he'll show that this week. I don't want to hate measurables, but he did have nine-inch hands, a little bit low, smaller than NFL teams want, and it's, it's a real concern. We'll see how the ball comes off his hand, too. And I actually think for a strong-arm quarterback like him and also Buffalo's Tyree Jackson, for example, two of the stronger arms in this draft class, it being not great conditions, a little windy, a little cold, is actually good because they'll show what they can do. I remember, what, four or five years ago, Jimmy Garoppolo came down here, and his quick release and how he cut the win, that arm talent, really sold a lot of NFL teams. So I think I think Drew Locke's the guy. And then Daniel Jones, you know, we'll see. I'm not as high as some other people on the industry are. His analytics that we use in our department are not not high on him either, but he's got a chance to really impress teams, especially in the interview process this week. What about the Auburn kid? He was very highly tied to come into the year. Yeah. It sounded like he had kind of an uneven year at Auburn, has a chance to kind of prove himself this week. Yeah, I mean, he came from the Baylor offense, and he was their backup at Baylor, and he ran that kind of very simplistic offense. We've seen you know Bryce Petty struggle to adapt the NFL from that same offense, despite having a lot of talent. And I think Stidham had that same issues. And I don't think Auburn did him any favors in his time there. I don't think they developed him the way I think he hoped to be kind of a more pro-style quarterback. But arm talent, he's got it. Mentally, he's got it. And overall, his production and all of his tools, again, look analytically, they grade out to be an NFL starter. I think he had a chance this week, interview-wise, to show teams he can go beyond that Baylor and this kind of simplistic Auburn offense that he was forced to run there, too. And, And again, he's a guy that I think done day two of this draft. NFL teams want to have him win. And I think for Locke, for Daniel Jones, for Jared Sidham, more than last year, these guys have got to earn day two spots or day one spots. I think they can this week with a good week. Will Greer, West Virginia, he's got a couple receivers here too. Uh, Where do you see Greer kind of fitting into this equation with these quarterbacks? Yeah, he's really efficient in college. And what I've learned over the years is that sometimes you don't want to overthink this stuff, right? He's he's efficient, he's accurate, he finished on the perimeter, he's got great touch down the field, he worked with speed receivers, slot receivers, Gary Jennings here, big possession receivers, David Sills, he was a tremendous red zone throw with him uh, his last two years at West Virginia. I think Greer is so efficient, he's accurate, he's poised, he's very confident for better or worse sometimes, but I think the way 
he's displayed over his college career, he showed that he could be an NFL quarterback. Now, is he a starter? And if he's a starter, maybe he's a day two pick. If he's not a starter, but you guys who you want, that's what makes him a fourth, fifth round pick. But I think even that question about whether he's a top end starter or not, you know, the Eagles. Nick Foles' market value was probably a second, third round pick. Tyrod Taylor goes for a third round pick. Those guys are backup quarterbacks, at least perceived by their team. So if you're a good backup quarterback, you're still a third round pick. So I no think doubt. Will Greer, he's he's second, third, fourth round guy, even though he might have the highest upside of a Daniel Jones, Tyree Jackson, Drew Locke, et cetera. Let's move to the offensive line. Yeah. Dillard from Washington State seems to be the, the consensus. Um, but there's some other guys, a kid from Kansas State, Wisconsin, uh, West Virginia, Yanni Kajust. What's your take on this offensive line group? Yeah, Dillard is, is a fan, is a favorite of Jim Nagy, the executive director of the Senior Bowl. He loves uh, Andre Dillard. I've talked to him a couple of times about Dillard. And I think the way that Dillard's able to move, the way he carries his weight, the way he's able to be an efficient kick slide pass blocker in that Washington State offense, especially have a chance, a lot of chances to do that too. But he's so efficient as he works upfield, and he's very decisive in his click clack and getting up field and go to the second level, but the other guy to watch is Dalton Reisner uh, of Kansas State. Uh, he played center and left tackle in his college Can career. Can he play all five positions? He yeah, <laughs> Can he yeah. play across the no, line? No, absolutely. I think that's what's so exciting about him, too. In NFL teams, you know, they value left tackles and then centers and then right tackles and the guard spots, and he's played pretty much everything in his college career at a very high level. And mentally, again, playing the center position, he knows how to handle an offensive line group, and I think the more and more we see NFL teams pay substantial amounts of money for interior offensive linemen and centers, the more guys like Dalton Reisner in the draft roster are going to go high and more and more. And we've seen Quentin Nelson, his impact. I mean, he's sixth overall pick, and people thought that was crazy. Could have been offensive rookie of the year. He could be. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And I think he's shown that, hey, even though offensive line's not a sexy thing to take early in the draft, even if you like Dalton Reisner with the sixth overall pick or seventh overall pick like Brian Balaga, still worth it. I think he's that kind of guy. Defensive line, I mean, you can go outside the senior bowl. There's a ton of underclassmen, but but even this the senior class, there's a ton of dudes. Yeah. Uh, who are your favorites? Yeah, best guy here uh, for our money is, is Isaiah Bugs from Alabama. Oh, okay. Um, and yeah, at the yeah. Wayans, you know, Tuesday morning he carried 290, 295 pounds, something like that. Um, yeah, 295, like he's a, like a linebacker. I mean, he looks the part that he could add 20 more pounds if he wants to, but he looks like, you know, a real freak show of an athlete to kind of come out here and move the way he does. And I think in Alabama, he's kind of typecast to be one of those, you know, five technique, three technique hybrid guys who have NFL success, but I think he's a little bit different. I think his ability to, to rush the passer to win on one on one situations, I think he'll show that in drills here at the Senior Bowl and likely in the draft process that he can be a three technique and be an upfield pass rusher. He could be a five technique and eat two gaps. He can play defensive end in some situations too. I think he's my favorite guy here on the defensive line. What about the kid from the U, Willis. I think he's. I think he's just doing interviews this week. I think he had a small entry coming up too. But he's he's my favorite defensive tackle in this draft class, outside of the, the big big names of Ed Oliver, etc. And and uh, the Alabama kid, Williams. But. You know, Willis was so impressive this year, and, and that's something NFL scouts, another guy here, a receiver, Travis Fulgham, similar situation where kind of a one-year breakout guy, and that's a, such a hard evaluation for NFL teams because they haven't seen these guys have enough reps, and a lot of times, guys like Gerald Willis and, and again, Travis Fulgham from Old Dominion, a receiver, a one-year breakout guy, they just haven't seen the opposing team, right? De- for Gerald Willis, offensive linemen at a high level consistently, and they don't have the instincts quite developed quite yet, so usually one-year wonder guys are guys that have to have a strong draft process, and usually in a redshirt year, but for a guy like Gerald Willis might be a first-round pick. He's got to show here in Mobile, mentally and on the field, that he can handle top-tier offensive linemen, get pass rush early, and be an NFL starter because NFL teams don't take project defensive players in the first round. You know, linebacker, the linebacker position for the Chargers really got hurt by injuries. You know, Kaiser White, a guy we talked about last year, earned a starting role with the Chargers, got hurt early in the year. Denzel Perryman went down, uh, the Chargers' best run defender from the linebacker position. Jatavis Brown got hurt at the end of the year. What does this linebacking group look like in your eyes? And, you know, just 
even outside the senior bowl, uh, what's your take on this position group? Yeah, you know, it's amazing, even just three, four years, how the valuation of linebackers, what we wanted them is so different, right? It, you know, four or five years ago it was, I want a 250, 250 thumper to come in here and be effective run, and if he can pass cover a little bit, that'd be great. Now, if you're over 240, you got to run a heck of a 40 to be impressive for NFL teams. I mean, the one guy I'm excited to see is Bobby Okerke from Stanford. He's a tremendous athlete, really indecisive sometimes on film, and needs a lot of instinctual development, but as far as athletes, he can run laterally. He could be a second-round pick despite being really raw because NFL teams need guys who are rangy. We saw a lot of the Saints struggle with that in that playoff game as well, not having enough athletes at linebacker to play in the perimeter to match up against slot receivers if need be to take running backs out of the backfield. So, so important. Athletes are so important at linebacker. I think Okwerke from Stanford and Jermaine Pratt from NC State are two athletes that are still kind of coming into their own at linebacker but have plenty of talent to work with. I think the NFL teams want to see those guys impress here in Mobile. I talked to Dane Brugler last year. Week. My guy. Uh, yeah, he's the best. And we, we talked Easy. about the small school. <laughs> Listen, I only get the best on Eric. You know, that's why he's I had tied. the arm, brother. Yeah, he's tied. He's kidding. tied. Um, but no, we talked about Darius Leonard, the fact that he was yeah. here, small school guy. And I asked him about this year's Darius Leonard, and he talked to me about the kid from Delaware, Nazir Adderley. Oh, that's his guy. Yeah. And he's, I mean, it's it hurts me because... I'm a University of Delaware graduate. And, Are you uh, really? We came into the, the Blue year, Hens. We came into the year as a third-round grade because of me on that serial. I'm thinking that's pretty high. And I talked to Dane in, in early October. He's like, I think I got this guy first round. I mean, that's how impressive his film was. And I think he's still a little bit of a work in progress. Um, he's, a, he's a very athletic, rangy safety. And at Delaware, he didn't get a chance to show kind of complex handling different receivers and route trees because it didn't face a lot of offenses like that uh, in college. But he'll have a chance down here to show not only is he a special kick returner. We saw that play in SportsCenter top ten highlights of his kick return where he ran through three guys and scored a touchdown. But I think his ability to play free safety, which he's very, very good at and natural at being that kind of cover three free safety, but playing strong safety, playing more in the box, uh, being decisive in those coverage reads outside of the free safety role. Because I think at Delaware, he got away with a lot of athletic ability, a lot of range, and a lot of freedom in that defense to do what he wanted to do. And the NFL doesn't really work that way either. And I think teams want to see him in Mobile, as well as in the draft process, show them mentally he can play multiple positions. Because athletically, he's a first-round pick all day. Eric, you and your crew, you guys evaluate thousands of these guys. What value do you put on the Senior Bowl in relation to the whole pie? Yeah. As far as you know, how much of the Senior Bowl or All Star Games in general come into the final evaluation? It's it's you know not I'm like a small percentage, but I value it very highly in terms of reaffirming or questioning our evaluation in season. And and I, I, a lot of the people from the Green Bay Packers kind of GM tree agree with that model in large part because you get a chance to see guys here under the same circumstances, same situations, with the same talent around them, and how do they perform? So no longer is Nasir Adderley a small school player with small school film. He's here. He's in the mix now, yeah. yeah. And for big school guys too, Isaiah Bugs of Alabama, he dominated. he's got to dominate here against all these other guys too. So you get a chance to kind of get these guys on a fresh slate, and I value it a lot. Our, our team takes extensive notes on practices. We watch the film afterwards. We watch the game. Again, not to change our evaluation in season, but this is a really unique opportunity to kind of see these guys at the clean slate and see who stands out from the eye test. So we value it substantially. Is it easy to get caught? up though in like let's say let's just say a guy who you weren't high on all year long on film just absolutely crushes this week like how do you approach that yeah. in your overall evaluation yeah it's why right why did the guy succeed and why did the guy struggle down here and, and you ask why because that's what we're really concerned about I'm not saying this guy looks like a first round pick because he impressed the senior bowl but hey this guy surprisingly was was struggling in pass rush drills look at the scouting report, ask the area scouts who did that kind of stuff and say, hey, is that the case on film? Maybe you had a bad week down here. And a lot of times when guys have really surprisingly bad weeks, 
injuries at play, other stuff's at play as well. So you can't weigh it too, too much. But again, I think watching left tackles move in pass protection drills, you could see pretty quickly up close and personal, hey, athletes, what are they look like? And I think the in-person aspect is really valuable. And then, again, the Senior Bowl, it's always said, but it can't be said enough, interviews are the most important part of this process and I've spoken with 10 guys so far our team has spoke to over 20 guys so far and meeting these guys in person being here when they know it's a job interview setting it's not a casual situation you get a lot of good interviews out of these guys you get to see who's a football player who's just an athlete kind of still figuring himself out so it's a good opportunity for interviews as well yeah it's cool because it's also it's almost like a game week right you have you have two pro coaching staffs they treat this like a game week you got installs you got uh, everything going on during the week so you see how these young guys can get acclimated to a pro locker room right and and i think that's why the the 49ers and raiders coaching staff who are coaching here have a huge advantage because you get to see these guys in their daily routine they're up at 8 a.m going through film reviews and they see who's there and who's late and who's paying attention and a lot of nfl teams want to get that access all the time and saying hey this guy care in practice did he work hard did he did he learn the the, the playbook i think that's really valuable because you know again we think of football players as on saturdays in college on sundays as just athletes but they're employees right nfl teams no doubt. Going to, no doubt. You know, an average NFL team is going to employ five of these guys next year per team, and and, and that's that's a big commitment. And you want to have these guys as people and players because you're not just signing them and evaluating them and drafting them for you know 16 Sundays a year. Um, it's for you know the next three four years of the rookie deal. All right, last thing, Eric. Yeah. Give me a few dudes that you're just really high on coming into this process. We're taping this on a Tuesday as the first practice starts, but just a few guys that that maybe Chargers fans should watch on NFL Network throughout the week. One guy, and he's he's a really highly touted player, but for us, he's been a top five senior since the preseason reigns that way right now. Is Zach Allen from Boston College? And okay. He is a defensive end, defensive tackle hybrid guy. But if you speak with him, if you just watch him play, he's so tough. He's so physical. I talked to our area scout saying, "Hey, I'm." not really sure he said I'm not really sure how we evaluate him where's he gonna play I'm like don't overthink it this guy's a stud he's a guy that would have been a first round pick three NFL teams to only win a first round pick last year if he came out stayed in school he'll be a first round pick all day I'm excited to see him down here and then I think secondly the kid from uh, South Dakota State Jordan Brown a lot of NFL teams are really bullish on him. He moves so well, and the Senior Bowl does a great job of uncovering top small school corners every year. We've seen a lot of these guys go through the Senior Bowl and press and want to be second, third, fourth round picks. I think he's my pick this year to be a guy that rises up to be a third, fourth round pick. He's fluid. He's athletic. NFL teams have known about him for three years now, and he's impressed them every process, step of the way. So I think he'll be one of the standouts for the Senior Bowl as well. I love it. Eric Galco, Optimum Scouting. Where can people see your work, brother? Yeah, uh, follow on Twitter at uh, Eric Galco. Also, Optimum Scouting's Twitter handle is at Optimum Scouting. And obviously, catch me on Stadium and uh, do some video over there for NFL Insider stuff, man. So I appreciate it. Always appreciate the time, man. Thanks. And that's going to do it. My thanks to Eric Galco, Brian Baldinger, and Joe Tessitore for joining me. And of course, thanks to you all for listening. Don't forget, if you like what you hear, be sure to give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Please help spread the word. Have a great weekend. And until next time, I'm Chris Harry.